All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. See, that's a new song. I don't know if I've heard that one before, but you think after months of listening to Christmas music that you would have heard them all and they would have exhausted their options, yet there are always new ones, apparently. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Mark Reardon. We have this last hour together, and I look forward to spending it with you as we get close to that very Merry Christmas Day on Sunday. Joining us now, Missouri State Senator Bill Eigel. Welcome to the program, Bill. For having me, Merry uh, Early Merry Christmas. Early Merry Christmas. I called you Bill like we're on a first name basis. I should have said Mister Eigle. That seems better. <laughs> well, no, I, I like I like Bill better. It sounds like I'm not in trouble. <laughs> well, yeah, it seems like people were trying to get you in trouble this week. Your name popped up in so many national stories regarding the drag queen tri- Christmas show uh, in Chesterfield. So I'm sure people have been reaching out to you on social media. I don't know if you've been getting any hate letters. Uh, yes, uh, we have, but I'll tell you, I've gotten a lot more letters, a lot more outreach of support for what we're doing. I think there are a lot of folks out there that understood that, you know, allowing children to see, uh, that type of material is not just, uh, it's not just wrong. It's a crime in the state of Missouri. So uh, a lot of parents who value protecting our kids from this kind of content, uh, we're reaching out, uh, we're supporting not just me, but supporting all the, the activists and concerned citizens that had gotten and gotten engaged in this conversation, whether it was reaching out to the, the Chesterfield mayor, Bob nation, who did a great job responding to this, ensuring that, you know, kids underage weren't allowed into the show in Chesterfield, but it, there, it took a lot of folks to apply what ultimately became a little bit of public pressure and i and i think we got a good outcome there yeah i think so too and this is one of those issues that i quite don't understand the other side to because sometimes you'll hear us uh, you know people arguing about voter id laws is a great example of this i just don't understand the downside to identifying yourself when voting i don't get why people are against that and you know sometimes people will have arguments i don't understand why someone would take a drag show and say that is not adult in nature, and it's okay for children right. to attend these things. I don't understand that argument at all. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really uh, I really don't understand it either. I mean, if we if you and I walked into a bar uh, that was age twenty one and over, and we saw children who were clearly underage being served alcohol and consuming alcohol in the premises, would we stand by and just let it happen, or no, or would we reach out to the police and say, "Hey, there's a crime being committed here"? Well. There's a good chance we reach out to the police and say there's be, there's a crime being committed here. That's what was about to happen at these shows. You know, I've I've seen uh, snippets of the show uh, that took place in other cities, and they were any objective person that looks at these will say to themselves that is inappropriate for a child, and in fact illegal for a child to view. So I, I don't know where it suddenly became okay for what I think is a very vocal minority of folks. Uh, saying that somehow this doesn't harm a child or somehow should be let let through. But, uh, you know, like I said, a little bit of public pressure from some concerned citizens is all it took to get uh, the powers that be to do the right thing. 
Missouri State Senator Bill Eigel joining us here. And I see in a couple of the articles, there's always a tagline or a byline in there that says, uh, Senator Eigel possibly thinking about running for governor. And this is him laying the groundwork for it. So uh, have you been exploring that more? Well, we have been exploring that. In fact, I've been traveling around the state and talking to folks about what I think makes a a better uh, version of Missouri in the future versus the one that we're living with now. And and I'm talking about things like uh, getting us out from under some burdensome taxes, eliminating personal property tax, because I don't think, you know, for for example, I don't think you should have to pay government rent to own a car, uh, whether we're talking about defense of the Second Amendment or or some of the other things that I think are very important that will make Missouri strong. Yeah, we've been going around and we've gotten a really good response. I also know, and and to your point, uh, anybody... Now that I'm kind of under that level of scrutiny, folks are going to say, well, he's just doing this because he may be considering running for future office. But, you know, I, from my perspective, there's never a bad time to protect kids. And we we had some uh, other led state legislators. In fact, there was State Senator uh, Rick Bratton on the western side of the state that was calling out the drag queen show that was taking place over there. So it's not like it was just me. I think there were some interested parties that said, hey, this is wrong. Let's take action. And there's never a bad day to defend kids. So that's what we did in this case. But uh, I understand those who are my detractors are always going to try to dismiss it as, oh, well, this was just something he was doing for purely political uh, motivations. Yeah. And, you know, the way to get around the personal property taxes that, you know, St. Louis City and County, they just don't register their vehicles. I don't know how many vehicles I see with fake plates, fake temporary tags or nothing at all. And the problem is enforcement is spread so thin. It's not a priority for them. So there's a lot of people that don't pay it anyway. But here I am trying to be a law abiding citizen, paying it like a sucker. <laughs> I hope it goes away. <laughs> well, <laughs> well and, and, and why, you know, Missouri is only one of 21 states that even has a personal property tax on vehicles. So I, I, I don't really understand why we're doing business this, in this manner in the first place. Those, the 29 other states that don't have personal property tax on vehicles are able to fund their core services uh, without levying this, uh, you know, a very, a very burdensome tax for our middle and working income class households. So why don't we replicate the Texases and the Floridas of the world and do business the way they're doing so that we can interest folks in moving to the state of Missouri and helping us become one of the leaders in these United States. So it's, uh, you know, that's just one of the things that that we're talking about as well. But it's something that's very visible. And, you know, given this time of year, December 1st, everybody's got to pay that bill. It's something that folks are talking about and wanting, you know, those super majorities of Republicans down in Jefferson City to take action on. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Yep. Uh, Senator, Missouri State Senator Bill Eigel joining us here. And I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago. One of your projects you've been working on is using state funds to widen 70. And you're, it sounds like uh, hitting the ground running. Do you have any more support for that going into next year? And do you think that project could get done? Well, again, I'm, I'm optimistic. Nothing's ever certain in the, the political realm of Jefferson City. But I think what was what was what really stood out about this idea to use uh, imagine this use money that the taxpayers are already sending to Jefferson City and some of the surpluses we've already built up in Jefferson City to pay for something that is part of that better vision of Missouri. We can put together the funds with just the money we have on hand right now to rebuild I-70 to four lanes in either direction, so eight lanes total. But what we've lacked is kind of the vision about these kind of big ideas for the state. Uh, that will really move us forward into the future. And so when I come along and say, hey, we've got the money to do this, let's all get around a plan to rebuild 
our most critical highway in the state, a lot of folks are saying, yeah, that's a great idea. Why weren't we talking about and having this conversation uh, five or six years ago? So it's never too late to do that. Now, in this case, part of the reason we couldn't get to this, this conversation is that there were too many folks, including Republicans, that thought the only way we could have vision about roads and bridges was to raise the gas tax. And so I've been opposed to that, and I've tried to let people know that of all the problems we have in this world, one of them is not that government doesn't have enough of your cash. Government's got plenty of your cash. They've got plenty of your tax dollars. We can pursue the big ideas like rebuilding I-70 and our other infrastructure in the state and still have plenty of money left over to give massive tax cuts to the people of the state to make us more competitive uh, with the other, and I'll say it again, the other Floridas and the Texas of the world that are already attracting people. So big idea, better future for Missouri. We can get there. You know, I don't want to get ahead of anything here, but just hypothetically speaking, uh, you're crossing the state running for governor. Is bus the best way to do that? Do you get like a giant bus and travel or is there more effective ways to run for governor of Missouri? <laughs> you know, right now I'm just hopping in my truck and driving around the state. I think in the past, <laughs> oh gosh, the past 45 days, I put, I, I'm looking at my odometer right now. I think I put about 14,000 miles uh, on my truck just in the past month and a half. So and, and that's it for me. It's been great. I I have very much enjoyed. It. I've gotten to meet people from all the corners of the state, the southeast, the southwest, Kansas City, certainly here in the St. Louis area. So it's been great for me. And I, I, there are a lot of folks that are looking for that vision of a better tomorrow and are really responding to that vision. So uh, I, I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, and hopefully, you know, it, we're 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 doing everything that we need to do to put together what I think is going to become a very successful and and strong campaign to be Missouri's next governor. See, you you put the miles on the truck, and then you find yourself wearing down the soles of your shoes next. You're going to just (laughs) blow through shoes the amount of times you walk through neighborhoods talking to people or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, running for governor is is quite the thing, and there's going to be a lot of competition out there for the next push. And it's so strange to think about it so early. But just in the legislative session, uh, talking about uh, before we were were talking about widening 70 but and getting rid of the personal property tax, these are some two really important things that I think affect many people that are listening here today. Um, I would love the fact if some of these projects got done, and it seems like in a way that Republicans need to get a better job of getting on the same page, because in some in some ways they agree on a lot of things, but then the minor details get caught up. And next thing you know, some of these projects that normally would get done don't. So how do you find ways to bring peace and harmony to the Republican Party in Missouri to get some of these things done? Uh, Great question. You do that by calling Republicans in Jefferson City to unite under the GOP platform principles that we said we would support in campaign season. So although that sounds easy, let me let me kind of unpack that a little bit. The biggest way to cause discord in the Republican Party is to have senior leadership in the state of Missouri call on them to do things that aren't anywhere in the GOP platform. And I'll give you an example. Raising the gas tax, right? Raising the gas tax and raising people's taxes is not a Republican idea. And if you if you call on the Republican Party to do that, you will fracture the caucus because we're splitting our philosophical base. I'll give you another example. Uh, Allowing the state budget to grow from 20 billion dollars back in 2010 to almost 50 billion dollars today. That enormous growth in the size and scope of government has been bad for the businesses and people of the state. And unfortunately, it's been led by senior leaders in the Republican Party, and that has caused discord. So if you want the Republican Party to come back together, if you want the Republican Party to unify, call on them 
and call on them and, and lead them to a place, a vision of Missouri that is strong because of all those principles that we said we would support in the primary and in the campaign season. So when I'm talking about getting rid of personal property tax, when I'm talking about getting rid of income tax, when I'm talking about investing money we already have in our infrastructure or protecting our rights, whether it's parents' rights, whether it's uh, Second Amendment rights, those are the kind of ideals that bring Republicans together. And unfortunately, we haven't had that at senior levels of Republican leadership uh, enough, nearly enough, uh, over the past couple of years. And then when we had the COVID crazy environment, uh, we, were, we were seeing more abuses of government power than we may have ever seen in our history as a state. Mm-hmm. And yet, where were the leaders? Where were the protectors of those rights? You know, people keep pointing to, you know, guys like Ron DeSantis down in Florida, guys like Greg Abbott down in Texas. Why don't we have those leaders there that are turning around and pushing back against the federal government? So the next time Joe Biden comes out and says, everybody's got to get the COVID shot or else, we have a Ron DeSantis in this state that's going to say, not in our state. Get out of here with that kind of silliness. We're not going to be doing that. We need those kind of protectors of rights. And unfortunately, we keep seeing over and over that we're, we're losing our brand as Republicans because we don't do that enough. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the, the general election that we had known in, in November, that's why our turnout was so much worse amongst Republicans. St. Charles County, where I'm from, the largest Republican stronghold in the state, its turnout was 15 percent below what it was in 2018. It wasn't because the Democrats were doing a great job governing. Of course they're not doing that. But we've got to do a better job not only of articulating what conservative GOP principles mean and how that's good for the state, but we've got to be on guard for us uh, not violating those principles once we get into office. Very good. Uh, Missouri State Senator Bill Igel. one last question. Christmas is on Sunday. I like the traditional ham meal. What does your Christmas meal look like? Uh, I, we usually do a uh, rib roast. So this is one, one of the few times a year we get a nice rib roast. Uh, in, I tell you what, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we have Thanksgiving on turkey and we have a rib roast on Christmas. So I am looking forward to that. My wife is a fantastic cook. Uh, so it's, it, it's, as I get older, these are the kind of victories I celebrate on, on a Christmas day. But uh, <laughs> we're going to have family in town, and so I'm really looking forward to it. I think of all the holidays, Christmas has the most variety of food. It seems every house does something a little bit different. Uh, Senator Bill Igel here in the state of Missouri, thank you so much for joining us, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, Ryan. Merry Christmas to you and all your, your listeners, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Oh, boy. Hard to believe. 2023 is around the corner and another legislative session ready to start. It's always good to catch up with Missouri State Senator Bill Eigel. After the break, we'll talk space. Local author, The Space to Lead is the name of the book. Mac Bradley joins us after the break. I'm a big space nerdy nerd, so this will be fun on 97.1 FM Talk. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Merry Christmas to you. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Mark Reardon and getting the last rotations of the Christmas music in before we get to the weekend. Uh, I want to uh, let you know I'm a space nerdy nerd. I'm not the X's and O's detailed space nerd, but I love space talk. And joining us now, a local space writer, author of The Space to Lead, Mac Bradley. Thank you for coming on to 97.1. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I do pay attention to what's going on in space. And a lot of people were talking about the Mars InSight rover sending its final transmission. What a lonely, lonely job on the surface of Mars. Uh, That actual rover gave us a lot of important things, but it's not the only science experiment we have on Mars right now. Uh, So uh, let's talk about Mars just briefly. What, What do you think we're learning from Mars right now? And what are you excited about with what we can learn about that planet? Yeah, well, uh, you're right. I saw I saw those images from the uh, rover and the message from the rover. It really is pretty really is pretty sad uh, to be that far from home and out of out of battery power. But yeah, we learned a lot from that. The most of the uh, missions to Mars, whether they're from the U.S. or from the European Space Agency or, or anybody else. They've all been designed in one way or another to determine whether or not they're um, – well, the first missions were to determine whether there's currently life on Mars. Now we've kind of moved on to whether – and by the way, spoiler alert, the answer to that seems to be no. Um, but now we've kind of moved on to uh, is was there ever life on Mars? And what evidence can we find of uh, water? Uh, in the past during a time when Mars was uh, warmer and wetter than it is now. So that's what, in various ways, that's what really all of these missions are trying to determine. Right. And I'm excited to find out. We spend a lot of time and attention there. And every once in a while, you see people kind of kick the tires of Venus again. And they like to show the photos when the Russians landed on Venus. Now the surface of Venus is a lot more treacherous than Mars. And I think that you're not going to get a lot of data uh, when you can only work, you know, hours at a time as opposed to years with a rover on Mars. 
Um, but the moon is also a big destination. The United States uh, setting the sights on making it back there. They had that unmanned mission that was successful. Are you excited about what we can learn about our moon? Yeah, you know, what's so interesting about the moon, if you go back for several years, everything was about Mars. You know, everybody was kind of Mars crazy. Um, and now, just in the last year, maybe year and a half, everything has kind of refocused on the moon. Part of that, Ryan, has to do with the fact that we have discovered huge quantities of uh, frozen water on the moon uh, that we didn't know was there before in, in large quantities. Uh, you know, that means you can use that to keep people alive on the moon. You can also use it, um, in a way, use the moon as a gas station to go on to Mars because you can take that hydrogen and oxygen that make up water and use them to make uh, uh, rocket fuel and oxidizer, obviously, for rocket engines. So, uh, you know, we've really learned a lot of interesting things about the moon recently. And now, of course, you know, we're going back. Uh, China is going there. Uh, China had a huge year this year. And one of the things they did was they announced plans for a, a nuclear-powered lunar base on the moon. So uh, there's a lot more attention on the moon than there was just a few years ago. Yeah, it's very Fascinating for that. Mac Bradley joining us, author of The Space to Lead on 97.1. So uh, water on Mars, if I remember this correctly, this is such a cool way that they learned there was mass quantities of it. Didn't they smash a satellite into a dark spot and then they were able to measure all the different water molecules that splashed up from that and they were shocked at how much water was there? You're talking about the moon. The moon, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then once you know that it's there, of course, we have lots of uh, uh, satellites orbiting the moon, uh, the uh, Lunar Reconnaissance uh, Orbiter and, and other spacecraft. Now, once you know where to look, um, you can also look down on these spots to, to verify what's there and determine how much of it is there. That's one of the reasons why um, there's a, a lot more attention on the poles, because uh, that's where most of it seems to be. Mm -hmm. um, uh, from a geological perspective, I'm not a, I am not a geologist. It's interesting to me uh, that just like the poles on Earth um, are very cold and they have uh, uh, lots of frozen water, the same yeah. thing appears to be true on the moon. Yeah, I haven't uh, followed up with the Chinese rovers on uh, the moon. And I remember when they landed, they were taking some unbelievable photographs, you know, high definition mm -hmm. photographs. Have they continued mm -hmm. with that? Is that project still active? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's still active. And uh, they're getting a lot of data from that. One of the one of the really interesting things that is going to happen next year uh, March or April, the first private lander uh, rover is scheduled to land on the moon. Um, uh, that launched actually just last week. Uh, it'll take a four-month path there. This will be the first fully privately funded and privately built uh, rover to land on the moon, uh, built by the United uh, Arab Emirates, the spacecraft was built by uh, a Japanese company. 
Um, so we'll see if a private company can land a rover on the moon too successfully, and uh, and what they can learn. It's a yeah. whole new era. It's amazing. It really is. Moving forward, there's a couple of different projects I think a lot of people are excited about. Well, I've, it took so long to get that Webb telescope up there and with the <laughs> delays, but it's finally out. It's unbelievable the things that they're learning from this thing. Uh, the other thing I think a lot of people are excited about, is it Europa that they're planning on sending a probe to to try to get underneath the icy surface to see what's under there? Yes, uh, Europa is one of the Europa is one of those icy moons. Uh, uh, both Saturn and Jupiter have uh, ice-covered moons that NASA now believes, if there is other life in our solar system, these are the places they are most likely to be. Um, Europa and there's another moon called Enceladus. Um, both of those seem like good candidates for. Um, for other life. And uh, the European Space Agency is also sending a probe next year to um, to investigate several of Jupiter's uh, icy moons. So that's another that's another thing that we're really going to be focused on for the next several years. But I think at least two of these missions will launch next year. Yeah, well, that's amazing. And yeah. After the anticipation of it, I can't wait to find what they learn about it. Mac Bradley joining us, local space uh, writer, author of The Space to Lead. When I was a kid, the girls would say the boys are from Jupiter because they're stupider. But I think that probe will determine that is not true. Um, looking at some of these other well, it would, it would be good to know there. for sure, right? So we it would be good to know probe, for sure. Right? I mean, to settle it. Sure. And all those girls I went to grade all. school with. I'm going to follow up with them as soon as the study is out there and share it and say, you were absolutely wrong. You owe me an apology. <laughs> so, yeah, what excites you? Because learning more data from the Webb telescope, that excites me. The fact that they're going to be able to get underneath an icy surface to learn what's under yeah. there excites me. Um, there's a lot of things NASA has been doing, and all of these projects are like long-term projects. They look out decades in advance. So what are the things that are exciting you that we could actually see in the next year, 2023? Well, the, the, the three biggest things that happened this year that will carry over to next year, uh, for U.S. space in particular, like you said, James Webb, uh, that's going to be the gift that keeps on giving for decades, right? Um, so we're going to see a lot more from James Webb next year. Uh, the space launch system, we will not see uh, Artemis II, uh, will not launch next year. The earliest for that is going to be 2024 with uh, boots on the moon in 25, if everything goes according to schedule. The, the DART mission, uh, the one that slammed into an asteroid, back in September, um, that was a really vital mission for NASA in 2022. That was our first attempt at, at trying to figure out if we could deflect an asteroid from its path and, uh, and well, basically save the Earth in the event that we something was on its way here. Do we have the technology and the capability of changing its course? So we took our first step uh, with the DART mission, and that was a success. So uh, there, there's going to be a lot more we're going to learn about that next year, too. So and wait, did we actually change the course? Data. 
So that I yeah. never found the reaction to that if that was actually happened. Wow. Yes, we, uh, we did. It worked. Not only did it work, it worked a little better than we expected. So that was a, uh, what I guess you would call a proof of concept that mm-hmm. we now we, we now know that that technology can work. Yeah, that was a big the, step. I'll tell you the the photographs it was sending back as it was approaching to make contact. That was yeah. so amazing to me that they can transmit data that quickly to actually have that and how close it got to the surface. And I I kept thinking, how in the world can they do that? Like to just send that data back so quickly to capture it before the thing's completely destroyed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the most exciting uh, missions to me in in a long time, Um, because it is, it is literally the first I'll just call it real world step that we've taken to test the technology that could one day uh, save all of us um, in a in a situation like that. So that that was cool. Um, the other really interesting thing: next year is going to be a huge year for all kinds of new uh, rockets. SpaceX is, is scheduled to launch their Starship uh, rocket, which will be the largest um, largest rocket ever tested uh, in uh, Earth orbit. Um, in, in theory, it could put more weight into Earth orbit even than the uh, the Saturn V rocket uh, that did the uh, launch the Apollo missions. Um, everything's about lift capacity. You know, how much weight can you lift? And uh, Starship will be a monster in that respect. There's another rocket called uh, Vulcan from uh, United Launch Alliance that's supposed to come online next year, and literally dozens of smaller rockets by all kinds of private companies, there is literally a boom, no pun intended, uh, in in rocketry companies, especially in the U.S., mm-hmm. designing, building, and testing uh, launch vehicles of, of all sorts. So it's really a, a golden age from, from that, in that respect. And of course, every time, as all of this progresses, the cost of launch just continues to go down. Uh, which, which, of course, is huge, uh, right? Uh, the, the estimates are that you could launch Starship, SpaceX's big Starship rocket. Uh, if everything goes according to plan and it works next year, you could launch Starship 123 times for the cost of launching one Saturn V rocket. Wow. Wow. Launch the Apollo missions. You could launch that thing 123 times, and it can lift slightly more weight to Earth orbit than one Saturn V. That is, imagine how that changes the dynamics of everything. There's so much to get excited about, and when I think of space exploration, there's all kinds of depictions of it in pop culture recently. There was that Apple TV show for all mankind. Mm -hmm. Have you watched any of that? Yeah, it's like yeah, an alternate maybe. reality of how the space program could have gone in, you know, between relations of the United States, Russia. It's all included. It's real fascinating exercise to think that uh, there was another movie on Netflix called Apollo Ten and a Half. I think that's what it was called. Did you see that one? I I did not see that. What, what was that so, one about? So it was a movie by Richard Linklater, and it's one of those rotoscoped movies. So they film it all, and then they redub it to make it a oh. cartoon. And the idea yeah, is yeah. NASA created the Apollo 11 mission, uh, and they 
built the capsule to the wrong proportion. So they ask an 11 year old to go on it, a 10 and a half year old. Well, obviously it's just, uh, it's basically growing up in the sixties and what it's like tracking the Apollo missions in the space race. So it follows the kid as he's imagining if he was the one going to space and it shows, you know, what life was like back then in the early 1960s as all of this was going down. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. It's worth a uh, check out. So if people wanted to check out your work, your book places, uh, where can they go to look? Uh, it, you can look at for it on uh, iTunes in the iTunes mm-hmm. store called uh, the space to lead. Great. Are you in any of the local bookshops here? No, no, not here. Oh, I got to get you there. I mean, they love local yeah. authors and such. Um, yeah, yeah. The space to lead. Fantastic. I love talking space and it's such a fascinating thing. My wife, not, she doesn't get it. I try to talk to her about these things. Uh, her eyes gloss over, and she humors me to the idea of it. But yeah. in reality, I'm hoping she's going to get an interest down the line and will talk to me about it. But it, this is such a fascinating thing that has just captured so many imaginations over the years, and there's so much more to come. It's it's just fantastic that uh, we're able to talk about it here. So, Mac Bradley, thank well, you so much for coming on to 97.1. Ryan, if it makes you feel any better, my wife humors me as well. So Does she now? Um, How often do you try to yeah, bring it up she, to her? Is it often? Uh, not- not as often as I used to, you know, because she humors me. So right. maybe she's listening to the show right now. That that might help. Yeah, and maybe this is what we need. A, a headline somewhere that says, scientists prove boys from Jupiter are not stupider. <laughs> and then we can send that link based on our conversation here. And then they might have some interest. Like, oh, wow, you know, that's. <laughs> you know, they might have more interest, though, if the headline reads, are stupider. You got to think about you. You got to think of your audience, Ryan. (laughs) Mac, thank you so much for joining us here. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, The audio cut of the day coming up after the break. Let's take a look at your traffic. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on 97.1 FM Talk. Welcome, welcome back. One last time before we adjourn for the weekend with Christmas being on Sunday. Wanted to make sure we spend couple minutes to wish you, your family, your loved ones, a very Merry Christmas. And it's this time that we like to spend with the audio cut of the day. (laughs) Now, the audio cut of the day. And the audio cut of the day is brought to you by the Good Feet Store. Comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief at the Good Feet Store. My favorite uh, audio cut of the day is that poor fellow that braved the cold with his wife all the way from Illinois to the bragging rights game at enterprise last night to see his Illinois team go down in flames. It was bitterly cold. People should have stayed inside, but still the place was uh, quite packed. And I think he may have regretted it after, but before he was out there, he, I think made the clip of the day, the audio cut of the day. But the one thing fans could agree on tonight is they were not going to let snow or this cold stop them from the annual game. Colder than hell. (laughs) It is really, that winds really get you. But the bragging rights game is a tradition for this Illinois couple. This is about my, what, 20th or something like that. I said I wouldn't miss it for anything, you know. Even a snowstorm. Even a snowstorm. All right. And he's not going to miss it. He missed the win because they got the loss last night. And he may also be willing to give up a toe for the frostbite and everything else that went with it. A lot of people bundled up, but some people not. That's your audio cut of the day brought to you by the Good Feed Store. 
Uh, Sue, I got some questions for you, and I'm um, having a, a problem right now. I I'm ready. I'm ready. Dr. Asked, Sue is uh, in. Missouri Senator. What's that? I said Dr. Sue is in. What can I do yes. for you? Uh, Missouri Senator Bill Eigel, I asked him what his traditional Christmas dinner looks like, and he does prime rib. Apparently, that is Yum. one of the most popular dishes in America for uh, Christmas dinner. The second is a Christmas turkey. Mm -hmm. Ham's not on the list. Sue, when I was growing up, we only had ham on Christmas. Aww. I thought that it was the number one dish on Christmas, nope. but apparently I might be in the minority. You know, I think you really are. Uh, I, I <gasps> We see it at, uh, I've seen it at Easter quite a bit, but uh, sure. yeah, we were uh, we were steak people on uh, Christmas Eve. Steak. Porterhouse. How would... Yeah, like uh, grill it, or how would you cook it? You know. Well, it would depend on the weather. So if uh, if it was nice enough out, then we might grill it. But mom would do it on. I guess I never even thought about that. How about that for a selfish kid? I never paid attention <laughs> to how she cooked it. But man, they were good. Must have been pan fried. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. The traditional meal was ham, baked beans, oh, deviled eggs. What is happening? Rolls. Green bean casserole. Um, what else did we have on there? Where were you? Yeah, what the devil state? Are a what all, state all is this happening in? Yes, Michigan. Ah, uh, yeah, interesting. Michigan thing. Yeah, so, no. I'm telling you, when I look up what's the popular meals for Christmas, I, as it turns out, apparently my meal wasn't popular. I just thought <laughs> no. it was the most popular. No, uh, that rib roast is serious. We never had that. That's a little bit fancy. We were steak, baked potato, and uh, a nice. Some sort of something green. And, man, I could eat that now. I'm so hungry, I could eat anything right now. But, boy, that sounds good. You're so hungry, you would eat food left out in the main conference room from this morning? I've already been over to KMOX to see what they had out. Do they have anything? Yeah. Well, not really. It's like all sweet leftovers. And I'm not in the mood for it's something sweet, you know? Normal over yeah, there it's right like cr crumbled up cookies. You know what I'm saying, Ryan. It's the bottom of the barrel. Oh. So you're not that hungry. You're not going to do the crumbled well, cookies. No, I just want something not sweet. Mm. Mm -hmm. I've had too Are much. Are you going to have that. to drive through KFC? Is that building still open downstairs? <laughs> it is. That thing smells yeah. so good every time I leave. But no, yeah, I'm going to. Uh-uh. I'm going to go home and have a baked potato. What? What? That What'd was a learn? tradition in Japan. I was going to say, get, yeah. your, get your Japanese on by having some KFC. That's right. This Let me tell you something. Sue's news is educational. You don't think so, but it sneaks up on you. I know. Uh, I found another story here on The Hill. There's a couple of things that stand out to me on this article. I, I read The Hill all the time. It's one of my favorite news websites. I like Axios and places like that. But here's the headline. Over a third of Americans plan to spend less this holiday season. According to a poll, 38% of Americans who celebrate, and then they use the term winter holidays, hmm. plans to spend less this year than in past years. I winter holidays to try to broaden it like that into to talk about Christmas that way. Oh, come on now. Did you really have to do that? Like, well, I think you it have was to call it that Hanukkah, too. They get gifts for eight days or eight nights. I think that okay. might be I'm trying to be generous here. I think that might yeah. might include that. Right. So they said that, uh, let's see, uh, poll shows anticipated spending varies on income. Families with less than 50000 are more likely to spend less this year than those who make over 50000 Estimated average American will spend about $1,400 this holiday season. That number seemed a little high. 
Unless you got a big family. Man, that seems um, really high to me. Do you buy gifts for yourself, Sue? Uh, well, yeah, I would like to say no, but that's not true. Because when I'm out shopping, I think, ooh, that's really cute. Darn it. Maybe I'll just uh, get that one thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I do. Yeah. It's sad, but I, you true. Know, it gives you the excuse to do that. And if you, I was, by the way, one other thing that stood out to me during this poll on the Hill, they categorize this in the poverty section of their website. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, great. That's great wow. Christmas. Thanks. Poverty section. I'm kind Maybe of, my no. family just was saving money with ham. That's why they were doing it. You know, <laughs> ham is not cheap. Do not think it is. Yeah, so if you yeah. were getting like a honey bake, that's a seriously good ham, and that oh, that's sure. some money. So, and hey, I don't think it was cheap. I think, did your parents just like ham? Let's face it. Oh, they loved it, yeah. yeah. And they would cook it in the roasting pan. They would put pineapple slices on it and everything. I mean, they really cooked it. It was so good the way they cooked this up. Is it wrong to just go to like a schnooks and pick up one of the pre-cooked chickens and say that's our meal on Sunday? Well, I'm not against it, but perhaps a little bit step up for the holidays. You know, just something. Little Christmas two chickens or something. Extra side on on a day like that. I I love um, seeing the kids open up. And I got to tell you what I'm most looking forward to on Christmas on Sunday is our two-year-old. So she was one last year, Uh and she didn't really get the idea of it. Like, even trying to coach her to open up and rip the wrapping paper off was a little bit much for her at that age, just turning (laughs) one. Now that she's two, she can't wait for the idea of this. And she has been so patient. And we... We had a moment where there was a Santa moment, and Santa asked her what she wanted for Christmas. And you know what she said? What? Another dog. Okay, I love this child. You think so? That's adorable. Yeah. She goes up there because our dog's named Molly, and she said she wanted another Molly. So I guess a friend for our dog. Of course we're not getting a dog. I'm I'm not that type of guy that's just going to grab a dog during Christmas. And having How many dogs do you have, Sue? Two. That, you know, adding a second one is always a gamble, I think. Well, You're here's the deal. The dynamic in a way. Here's the deal. I have one, I have two bulldogs. One was a rescue and the other is from a local breeder. And the local breeder said when I was uh, getting Oscar, the second one, she said, we will introduce these dogs. And if it does not go well, and she oversaw the whole thing, then you don't get them. Oh. So, so have, uh, it went well. Yeah, well, no, she just knows because she's, you know, a responsible breeder who's done it for years. But when she mm-hmm. saw them, she said, yep. And she said to me, they all said that it will be easier with two because the older one will train the younger one how to go potty, how to do this, how to do that. And she was 100% right because I was worried about it too. And it has been nothing but great. That's awesome. So, so did yeah. they actually train each other? Like, did that actually work? Yeah, because she, uh, the older one, Lulu, would uh, just trot outside. I mean, she knows the routines of the house, and she would, the younger one would just follow her and do, I mean, there's still a puppy phase, don't get me wrong. And, and yeah. there's still chewing, and there's issues like that. But I'm telling you, this was, he went up the stairs quicker. He learned how to potty outside quicker. And it's all because he's got a mentor. Plus, she tells him what to do. You're doing this? You know, nope, you're not doing that. I had to do a project once in high school, and I forgot what class it was for, but they said, ask your parents what potty training was like. And you know what my dad told me? He said that he trained me the same time he trained the dog with just paper on the ground. <laughs> and I, I thought he was serious, and I went back to class, and I told my teacher that. Oh, no. And I got right. laughed at because I thought he that was serious. That is hilarious. 
<laughs> Thanks, Dad. Oh, I should have known better. Thanks, Dad. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Sue. Merry I hope you have a great weekend. Ryan. You too. And uh, Ethan, you as well. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, I'm Ryan oh, Recker, and anyone here listening, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Whatever you may be eating, probably not ham, but I'm sure whatever <laughs> it is is delicious. Be safe. We'll see you soon. Bye. Get more at 971talk.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.